One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dave Handready, and there will be no encore. Should I say Giaguichikara? That's right. It is episode 317, and we're recording it, Craig, on the 17th of the third month, aka St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patty's Day to you, laddie. Good <laughs> and stuff, a Cade Meal of Alcia. Well wishings to all our Aaron Gabra Gina, whatever. Hope yeah, Irish Aries are smiling. Macamore <laughs> leading us in. <laughs> As with our the, grandfathers would have wanted. With the Irish celebration, um, Benjamin Haggerty, I think Benjamin is his name, Mac Lamore, uh, what a song that is, which featured a chorus last year when I did uh, Top 5 Songs About Ireland, I think it was with Zara Hedeman possibly, you might have been it off was, that I was listening. I was listening back to it this week, it was hilarious. <laughs> you were celebrating Paddy's Day, I assume last year at this time, you know, in that patriotic way that we're not doing this evening. We're here it's a, this it's evening. It's a pretty big deal for me, Dave. So this is big <laughs> that I'm sacrificing some of my national holiday to the show and to you, yeah, the listener. Man. Well, I'm fucking like, th- like I was working today, which actually probably was the best place for me because I was kind of sequestered away from the madness. And at one stage I went to go get lunch, got a late lunch and went across town and it was grim as fuck. Uh, <laughs> it was not good. I can well imagine. Went into a sandwich joint to get a sandwich and uh, there was like three or four highly obnoxious American girls in front of me and they were just like saying stuff like, um, yo, do you do bread and butter? And they were like, no. <laughs> uh, then at one stage, one of them was like, um, yo, that cookie, that... uh." That orange and chocolate cookie, how orange is that? And I was like, I just want to get my sandwich and get out of here. This is fucking killing me. It sounds um, like Macklemore was there, to be quite honest with you. I would have fucking loved that. Are you kidding me? That would have been the greatest day of my life. <laughs> Not ironically. He did give you one of the greatest gigs of your life. I know, I know. I feel bad because I went back and I deleted all my old tweets for like the last few years and they're all gone from my live tweeting experience. So now the article on Joe, before I was with Joe, makes no sense because those tweets are now dead to the world. But <laughs> Do you, you do have that to be often? There. Just delete... 
all your tweets? <laughs> I did it. I did it recently, um, and it wasn't like a nefarious thing. Just to cover your tracks, yeah, of course, yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, but sorry, not it, to cover your tracks. Yeah. It's more the fact that I just kind of feel like Twitter is like it's such a, it's 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 like having all that kind of you know digital detritus, Craig, in the air. Where it's like, yes. here's a here's a tweet from 2012 in which I'm just screaming the word football with no context. Who needs that in the world? It just feels yeah. weird, broken Just a nice spring clean kind of soul yeah, cleansing Yeah, take vibe, it down yeah. a bit. So I did that about a year ago or so. And if, yeah, I won't lie. There was a little bit of like, oh God, what have I said something horrendous? Now I went I went back and I like had a look and I was like, I'm pretty sure I haven't. I'm not the type of person I'm to drop guy. <laughs> a slur or anything. But you know, you never know. You know, like maybe I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a nice guy, think, Craig. Yeah. I think you do know. You're not really the type of person to tweet a slur. I can confirm that after a decade of friendship. I I would hope so. Although, (laughs) what what if now someone takes on board and goes through my old... Don't go through my old tweets. It's not worth it. Like, it won't be fun. You won't find them. They've been deleted. It was honestly more of an insecurity thing. I, I don't like the idea of... Here's a weird tweet that makes no sense from 2013. Like, like why? Yeah. Why should that be? Out? Like the way like, it's it's a real time thing. It's a contextual thing. If everyone's watching like a Champions League match or something, and everyone's tweeting about it in real time, everyone has, it operates on the understanding what they're having this kind of weird kind of group thing conversation about. But I just think it doesn't age well, much like me. So anyway, listen, it is St Patrick's Day. <laughs> Aging very well. Um, Much like me. Um, <laughs> the town looks terrible today, Craig, I will say, from from my brief glimpses of it. And even the I way I wasn't home, going just, near the place. I remember... Horrendous. Yeah, I remember working at the day after Paddy's Day a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a hot press, like, production Saturday. Paddy's Day had been the Friday. Best and just, days. like, walking into town on a Saturday morning after Paddy's Day at, like, whatever it was, half ten in the morning, and just vomit in the streets, people lying in the gutter... <laughs> Just like stepping over bodies, broken glasses, on your way to work for hot press. It was Why do a we do it? Time. Why do we do it to ourselves? I just don't understand. I but know. on this episode of No Encore, we're getting a bit patriotic to a degree. Um, we did previously a while ago. We did our top five Irish number one singles of the twenty first century, so the year two thousand up until twenty twenty one, I believe. Um, yeah. So these are songs that have topped the Irish singles chart. They aren't necessarily songs by Irish artists. Yes. It can be anybody. It's about what the Irish people brought to the dance or specifically brought to the counter in the record store when they were purchasing compact compact disc singles, uh, particularly this time because we're going back and we're doing 20th century. Once again, we're doing best and worst. And uh, I made a huge fucking mistake this week, uh, including putting it out in Patreon wrong as well. I thought, and I operated for half of the week this week, I thought I was on worst. I'm not. I'm on best. But don't worry, I rallied. So yeah, how'd that happen, Craig? Um, you said I'll do best. Yeah, and I was I did. like grand, <laughs> and then you realised you meant to say worst. My um, brain thought I was saying the word worst, but I wrote down the word best. Good thing I fucking is, checked in. You, well, you say that, but there's definitely a part of me that's like, if you hadn't gone back and we just rocked up to the top five today, and it like realised we'd done for Paddy's Day two lists of worst Irish songs that would be very no encore. It would be very misanthropic, yeah, or tropic, whatever. But um, I think it's going to be a good top five nonetheless. As ever, we have bitten off more than we can chew. I kind of wanted to drill down to just the 90s and that's kind of what I did in the end anyway. Oh, but the point God is, I, you. 
I will say about this, right? The 20th century spans a lot of time. Those charts began in the 60s. 100 years, so yeah. So here's oh, the thing, yeah, right? 40 years. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have the charts in, in 1915. I've got a song from 1933, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Um, a lot of the top fives we do tend to lend themselves to the possibility of a sequel. And this will also definitely be one of them because it's just so broad in scope. The five I have, though, I think are bulletproof in their own ways. And we'll get there later in the show. I want to say one thing, though, before I move on. Um... I had a brief encounter at the gym this week, which was strange. Oh yeah, I've seen this on Running Order, I'm intrigued. Um, you do love a bit of a weird encounter at the gym. I feel like there's been a lot of gym stories. For a, for a period of time, you're going quite late at night, I guess, to avoid these kind of mishaps and mm-hmm. run-ins and do tell. Well, this happened during the daytime. It was actually it was actually very wholesome, I will say. Oh, okay. So gotcha. uh, I went to the gym on, I think it was Sunday or Monday, possibly, and um, I... You lose okay. counts, you know, you, the amount of times you're hitting up the gym, <laughs> <laughs> pumping iron, getting in your sessions. No, believe me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very Five good at it. Five sessions in a week. It's one of his non-negotiables, folks. Yeah, yeah that's true, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there, right? And um, I'm I'm doing this new treadmill routine I'm doing. And what I did was I put, I got my phone and I stuck on The Blaze. Like The Blaze, the wonderful French production duo of territory yes. fame. They have an incredible, uh, if you go onto YouTube, listener, they have an incredible concert that they put out about two years ago now. Um, and it's them up a mountain, essentially. Beautiful, beautiful drone shots, the sun kind of setting as they play. It's gorgeous. It's extremely yeah. Blaze-like and it's fantastic. And it's just something to throw on while you're working or in the gym, as I was. So I put this on my phone, put that on the treadmill. Obviously, I've got my in-ears in. I'm listening to my earphones. I'm not like some kind of fucking psychopath who's blaring my music throughout the gym. I wouldn't do that. But this is where it gets weird. So I'm about five minutes in and I'm kind of trying to lose myself in the flow of this. And okay. I get a I get a tap on the shoulder, Craig, which is the last thing you want in a gym situation, right? Yeah. I get a tap on the shoulder and I turn around. I, I kind of tensed, you know, like you automatically tense. So I turn yeah. around preparing for a confrontation or something. And there's a guy there. He's also got in ears in, but he's pointing at my phone and he goes to me. I swear to God, he goes to me, American, American guy, American accent. He goes, yo, is that Blaze? <laughs> and went, yeah it is man and he goes oh man that's so fucking cool i love that set it's incredible and i was like yeah yeah it's it's great uh, I, i'm a big fan and he was like yeah yeah and then he's on the phone and he goes oh yeah i'm just telling some guy here uh blaze you know like like they're the, yeah he's watching blaze on his phone he's, and he's, like, he's dropped the definite article right he has yeah he's, 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 he's uh he's he's sean parker in the social network over here so he um <laughs> and then he just said like he it's explains it's cleaner yeah just he he says to the guy on the phone he's like he goes he goes yeah i know I, maybe said to me he, he said something like um, oh, I just gotta tell someone when I think something is cool and I'm like alright cool thanks man oh my god Dave you've just stuck in an anecdote where someone tells you you're cool yeah, I, think he said, <laughs> I, I think he said that the blaze sorry blaze were cool yeah. not me then he hops on the treble next to me and starts going for it right and then like about 10 minutes later he jumps off as if he's dropped something no he's just doing a cool jump off walk out waves at me as he leaves oh my god so I and think he's Craig, your new best friend I was and he's nicknamed you blaze I'll take it. Named after the Streets of Rage 2 <laughs> character of the same name. Do report back if he sees you again from across the gym and just shouts, Hey, Blaze! Yo, Blaze! You, because that yeah. is obviously the moment you're going for. I'm now going to have to wear a t-shirt with Blaze written on it, I think, going forward. So we'll see. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. That was a lot of Very fun. Very wholesome. And if you like fun, or more importantly, bonus episodes of No Encore, which can only be fun, you can get those and support the show in general at patreon.com slash noencore. There is a new episode of No Oxcord up now. It's almost two hours long. 
It's myself, Craig, and Sonic Architect Adam taking you through some recent musical highlights from our lives. And it's a damn good episode. Patreon.com slash Noancore if you want to help the show keep the lights on. We greatly appreciate those who do. And if you can't, that's totally fine. But do us a favour. Tell a friend about the show in general. Be passionate. Tell them that we we spend 10 minutes. (laughs) Be passionate, folks. Come on. Put a bit of effort in. I will say this. This recording does feel, for me, a bit like a no-ox court because I've been off today. It's been like an extended kind of Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I'm 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 doing an old tradition here. Oh, cracking a can. Cracking a can that just spilled all over me. What what you got? Mm. Obviously, take guzzles down a mouthful it's fucking hard day it's at the actually office. spilling yeah I, I've had, I had a hard day at the office I'm, I was Control working the solo shit <laughs> it's spilling all over me uh, it's brew lager it's um, why am I shouting out the brand it's a small can though and it looks uh, classy don't have any concern listener that has been in my fridge for so approximately you, two months so I'm on the sleeve sleeve namon okay which sparkling is water. Um, sparkling water because I don't have any cans which is abysmal actually for it's okay day, it's okay man let's kick on with I'm the in show. a hoodie you know let's kick on with the show let's kick on with the show okay. we'll start it now here's the news hey you heard about the good news i have some breaking news audio to a degree um obviously it's saint patrick's day as we know and serious business is afoot in the world of course um t-shock michael martin uh, wow. tested positive for COVID-19 on the eve wow. of his big face-to-face meeting with, with US President Joe Biden. Uh, something he was clearly dying to do. And I, now... I, I deeply... I feel sorry him, for and him. I felt really bad for him I today. feel really sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I feel really bad for him. It's all been building to this and he gets yeah. COVID in Washington the night before he's supposed to meet yeah, him. I actually felt... I felt genuinely bad for him. And, and in fairness, I, 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 yeah, obviously I'm not, not a fan of the man's policies or nothing, but like... People in this country who think it's the height of fucking humour to call the guy Mihole. Oh stop. yeah, it's the absolute stop, worst. Stop, just, just let it go. But the reason I mention this, Craig, is because uh, Speaker of the House, the representatives in the US, Nancy Pelosi, she's a big fan of oh the Oh my G-Shock. God, I was going to I was gonna ask you about Pelosi, but yes, please do go on. Well, um, she did praise him. She praised his handling of the economy, housing and healthcare, which is interesting. Um, but more importantly, Craig, uh, this was teased at one point throughout the day, that yeah, was. Pelosi, Pelosi would in fact be reading out a poem um, yes. written by a certain certain rock legend by the name of Bono. And she did that, Craig. And I happen to have the audio. Oh, of- my God. Because, yeah, there was... <laughs> I saw this tweet and I was like, this can't be a real thing. Like Bono's written a poem about Ukraine and Nancy Pelosi's going to read it. Mm-hmm. So I Googled it, right, literally before we, we started recording. Um, and I was going to ask you because you're, you know, hard-nosed um, journo that's been like on the beat all day. So mm-hmm. you'd have more info. No, there's, there's, an, there's already a Snopes.com article about it <laughs> saying, did Pelosi read a poem by Bono about Ukraine? And people were saying that it was actually just that you 2 had posted a poem by a Ukrainian and she was getting confused, as well, she often does. But you maybe, can confirm now. Yeah. Well, I can confirm that she read something out um, and that she she communicated to the world that it was from Bono. What does Snopes.com say? The notoriously mostly reliable, but not always. Snopes.com got in contact with Pelosi's spokesperson and they confirmed that um, the US House Speaker was going to read a poem by Bono, not well, just that's what she by said. Yeah. So and we'll be able fairness. to confirm here because I have what you two posted so we can... we can. Okay, okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the audio. This okay. is at the Friends of the US, Friends of the Irish or something, lunch, luncheon thing that, again, Taoiseach Mail Martin was unable to attend. Um, he's in good health though, so it's fine. Um, she read this out. Now, this is uh, the audio. This has been a minute long. 
and it's worth the build. Also, the audio is a bit wonky for the first half of it or so. Don't blame me. Blame C-SPAN, whose audio I have ripped for the purposes of this podcast. So this okay. is Nancy Pelosi from America uh, reading out a poem. From America. From <laughs> America. <laughs> reading out a poem uh, that we think is by Bono. Okay. And I think by the end of it, it has to be by Bono because, boy, does it go places. Here we go. Before I introduce them, I want to, I got this message this morning from Bono. And most of us, we're always, whether we're in Ireland or here, whatever it is, Ivano has been a very Irish part of our lives. <laughs> he sure has. He said this. He said, oh, St. Patrick, he drove out the snakes with his prayers, but that's not, it t- that's not all it takes. Craig's losing it. The smoke symbolizes an evil that arises and hides in your heart as it breaks. And the evil from risen from friends, from the darkness that lives in some men, but in sorrow and fear, that's when saints can appear to drive out those old snakes once again. And they struggle for us to be free from the psycho in this human family. <laughs> the sorrow and pain is now the Ukraine, and St. Patrick's name is now Zelensky. Oh man! Oh my god! The, oh, <laughs> the best part. The best part at the end of it is when she she like he, she goes like she goes how about that? And then she has oh this. My she, god. she has she has this look like when she says Zelensky. She like she has this real like uh, like look on her face and everyone's oh, like, well, hey. gotcha with that one. Yeah, that was not um, the poem that you two posted <laughs> by uh, Tara Shevchenko, which was an actual proper poem. Yeah, that was definitely Bono. Hundred percent. Yeah, lyrically um, and poetically disintegrating as the years go by. I mean, what was that? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I think that it, man um, wrote Sunday Bloody Sunday, like, and this is what he's doing these days. <laughs> yeah, when I I tweeted it out and I just said, um, I said five minutes well spent by Bono there. I can only imagine that it was like, he woke up late, you know, and it's like, he thought it was Wednesday. I think someone uh, someone tweeted that at me. Very funny. Um it's just very like it's it's like like remember when Kanye put like God level on an Adidas ad and it was yeah. like the audio was like clearly unfinished and clipping and I just imagine Kanye at like four AM going through his trash file and being like uh, okay what do I what do I have here uh, this will do grand it does yeah it feels like Bono was at some function with Nancy Pelosi where he was just obliterated and he's chatting to her he's like yeah I'll write you something for Paddy's Day yeah yeah Zelensky absolute legend I'll write something yeah and then like the next day with a massive hangover. Over, he's like, oh my god, <laughs> trying to scramble something together. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, yeah, take that, Putin. Um, incredible stuff, genuinely. I mean, I guess, man, does it make you want to go to a U2 gig at this time? Like, I'd say he'd bring Zelensky out on stage if he could, right? Yeah, I mean, they were trying to do that kind of stuff in the 90s, weren't they, with their video link ups to like the International Space Station and like, yeah, wasn't he doing a thing where he was executed on stage? I don't know. At one point. I think I he was doing know. a thing where he had, during some song, he had like a balaclava put over his head and then he was like f- fake shot. Jesus. I might be misremembering, but there was something very close to that going on in the middle of a U2 gig for a period of time. <laughs> I'd put nothing past him. He is Mr. Rock and Roll. But as we get to he our is. first, or we I guess our him. second news story now, because that was kind of on the fly. Um, someone who believes that they aren't rock and roll enough for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Dolly Parton, Craig. This week, Dolly Parton has in fact said... 
please don't nominate me for this nomination that I have been nominated for. Um, she's on the ballot to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's asked yeah. to be taken out of it. She says, even though I'm extremely flattered, I don't feel I've earned the right. I really don't want to vote, split the votes because of me. So I must respectfully bow out. I do hope the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will understand and be willing to consider me again if I'm ever worthy. This has, however, inspired me to put out a hopefully great rock and roll album at some point in the future, which I've always wanted to do. Dolly continues, My husband is a total rock and roll freak and has always encouraged me to do one. I wish all the nominees good luck and thank you again for the compliment. Rock on! And in response, jokingly, I think, Steve Albini tweeted, and uh, I think he quote tweeted this and just said, like, uh, how do you feel about analog recording? So could it happen? And is this a publicity stunt? Is it genuine? Doesn't matter. I know on behalf not- of Albini or Parton. Uh, Parton. Um, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, she's done stuff that's definitely rock influenced and has definitely in- influenced rock artists. She seems like she should be in the Hall of Fame already. I They've mean, we're already at a point where a it's just become years, yeah, yeah the music Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Like I was looking at um, the list, so it's the draft list at the moment. But if you look at the nominees, it's Eminem, A Tribe Called Quest, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, Diane Warwick, Kate Bush, Judas Priest, MC5, Rage Against the Machine, and New York Dolls being kind of rock I and roll bands. Duran Duran are like, in there as well, possibly. Yeah, but so it's it just, is pop friendly, country friendly, rap friendly, whatever. I mean, Dolly Parton's more rock and roll than Lionel Richie. The White well, Stripes didn't cover, you know, dancing on the ceiling. Let's not say we can't sure. take back here. Um, <laughs> I think it's quite rock and roll to do this. Maybe this qualifies her automatically. Maybe this gets her ahead of the polls. Maybe it's, in fact, one big cynical stunt. Yeah, maybe. Like uh, The fact she's like, I don't want to split the vote. Do you reckon there's someone she's really rooting for in there? Is she a big Tribe Called Quest fan? Possibly. Um, do you, will she do a rock the fact she keeps calling it rock and roll as well makes me think if she did a rock and roll album she'd yeah, really she should be calling into it, the 50s Buddy Holly style direction she and should not, be like, she should be taking a page out of James McCartney book and saying that it's just rock and roll you know <laughs> go for that uh, but it turns out Craig that just rock and roll isn't what we think it is anyway because Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin fame has opened up about the band's reputation for rock and roll excess you can tell I had fun putting the news together in a court week. of law <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually wasn't. It was in the Court of Public Opinion, uh, aka uh, an episode of Desert Island Discs, <laughs> Desert Island Discs. With, with Lauren Laverne, who I can't imagine is, is too is too Lauren grilling. Laverne is judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> that could be a good favor for her. Um, so yeah. he was asked about the group's reputation for unbridled rock and roll hedonism. Oh, Jesus. I say he was sweating then. <laughs> some of the stories you read about this band, it does feel like, you know, yeah, a lot of those things have been written about in books that we could probably be prosecuted for. Let's just walk that back a bit. He says, yeah. uh, the whole deal was sometimes very tough to be a part of. I think the intensity of what we were experiencing and the lack of structure was very difficult. We were flexing one way or the other and I found a lot of it quite tough. I can't get my head around it now. I'm so far away from it. You read bits and pieces media-wise, but it was so far removed from what it actually was. The best thing to do was imagine that a lot of it was an incredible exaggeration. And most importantly... Oh my God. We're That's a man to- in denial right there, isn't <laughs> we're, it? We were able to go home and get new perspective and grow up. Okay. Oh, that's... That's like... 
that's like a, a Paddy's Day, post Paddy's Day hangover thing of just like trying to cobble yourself back together and be like, listen, yeah. nothing terrible happened. Everything is fine. All right. Don't worry about it. I'm turning my phone off for two days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but instead, it's like all of the 70s, not just one night. <laughs> it's the entire decade. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are some very, very scuzzy stories about that band out there. So, well, yeah, it was mainly Jimmy Page, I think, didn't seem like the nicest bloke. I think Robert Plant was maybe an all right fella. He seems kind of very, any interviews I see with him the last, I don't know, 20 or so years, he seems quite level-headed, but you just don't know. And the 70s were ridiculous in terms of rock and roll excess and just awful behaviour. So, yeah. Um, I wonder what songs he picked, So Is it bad that I'm just like, I wonder what his Desert Island discs were? I must go back and check it out. Um, I don't really listen to that show, but everyone should check out the episode with with Ian Wright uh, from a couple of years ago. Tremendous, yeah. Absolutely beautiful episode. What a guy. I love that guy so much. Um, Robert Plant recently played down the Beatles and Rolling Stones' long-running feud, though. Uh, We've talked about that recently, kind of, but I didn't realise that he'd weighed in on it. He said, I think it's no fighting whatsoever. They've known each other since 1963. They love each other desperately. So there you go. Stones, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, all mild-mannered men who did nothing wrong, apparently. Um, but we'll move oh, on. So he, yeah, he he also says uh, Paul McCartney should play, but just play bass with the Stones, Great. which is a nice thought. Yeah. Nice thought, yeah. Rocket Man. Um, we'll move on to um, is Stevie Nicks. Will. Is Stevie Nicks rock and roll? Do we think is she rock and roll? Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah. There's well, nothing more rock and roll than Stevie Nicks. I suppose. Yeah, or a band Stevie that Nicks is can the barely stand that itself. Was- was doing an interview with Q Magazine back in the day, right? And the photo shoot was her in her gaff, okay? And then I think, like, before it went out, she was on tour in England or she was out of the country or something. She saw the photos and she didn't like them, right? So she demanded, pretty sure this is this is the way it panned out, she demanded that her entire living room from, like, California was shipped to wherever she was so they could redo the photo shoot. <laughs> Reconstruct her own living room in, like, a hotel room and redo it. Rock That's and roll. Very cool. I actually She's I tremendous. Say, yeah, I love Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I mean, maybe not good for the environment, but a cool thing to well, do. Yeah. Um she's done a new interview though, and she's praised Lord um and said that Lord, quote, just has to keep doing what she's doing. So it's some really good uh League One <laughs> fo- football manager uh, advice there. Give it hundred and ten percent, you know? <clears throat> Focus on your football. Just concentrate on your football. Uh, she was speaking to the New Yorker and she was asked uh, to answer a question from Lord, who wanted to know how Nix had, quote, stayed in touch with her dreams. Oh, uh, that's such a <laughs> nod to, oh, because you, you've got a song called Dreams. It's also a very that's Lord, sick. New Age bullshit thing yeah, to say. Yeah, um, it means nothing, yeah. So... Stevie Nicks said that she knew that Lord came to a recent show in New Zealand and didn't actually get to meet her. But uh, she admires her and has a present for her, yada, yada. She goes, I don't think Laura's going to have any problem at all keeping in touch with what she does. I think she's just as odd as you or me. She's a strange girl, and so are we. And she's a really great writer, and she's really good at doing her own recorded stuff. Uh, I don't think that any real serious songwriter is ever going to have a problem staying connected to the dream world that allows us to write songs. We want to have her serious eye, but you can't take yourself too seriously. She goes on. That's true. And she just talks, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of boring until she gets to, she says, whenever I'm depressed, I just put music on. The second I walk into my dressing room, I plug my iPod into my old fashioned stereo and I just crank the music. 
uh, that's just feeding my soul so I can get ready to walk on stage in three hours. When I'm pulling up my black tights and putting on my corset, I'm listening to like Starboy by the weekend. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, I lo- uh, also, her old fashioned stereo. I bet you that's like a fucking 50 grand job. Definitely. <laughs> well, it should up. be. If you got a flaunt it. totally should be. Yeah. Um, says Capitalist Day. By the way, you also yada yada over her gift, which is the most Stevie Nicks gift ever. Go she on. said, I have a moon for her and it's in a box <laughs> with a little note. <laughs> Which is like... <laughs> uh, Nick's went on to say that she is, quote, crazy musical taste, adding, so anyway, back to Lord. She just has to keep doing what she's doing. So that's where that quote came from. Um, yeah, I've been I, listening to Rooms on Fire a lot lately. It's been it's been one of my go-to, like getting up at the crack of dawn to get into work and like being freezing on the, the train platform and just like, I need a song to cheer me up and Rooms on Fire is really good for that. So yeah, have you been Thanks, getting up at, Have you been getting up at the crack of dawn? Yeah, for like the two days in, three days off thing we're doing, the working from home is soon no more. So yeah, when I've been getting up at, well, okay, not crack it on, not like news talk days when it was like getting up at literally five in the morning. But like getting up at <laughs> seven when you're used to rolling out of bed at like 20 to nine is yeah. no fun. When yeah. I'm on the 7am shift, like I, I always have these grand ambitions to go to the office, which in fairness is not far away from where I live now. But like, man, it's a it's a 6.59am roll out of bed clinger. Like, you know, it's just like yeah. not a chance. It's insanity. <laughs> It is crazy. I do love the image of you on the train, though. I find it very soothing. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. In what sense? Well, I love a train. How do you picture me on the train? Um, Am I <sighs> sitting down? Am I slumped against a window? Do you know those YouTube videos where it's like uh, lo-fi beats to study to, and they usually have some kind of anime <laughs> character sitting, <laughs> yeah, by a rain-soaked, sitting by a rain-soaked window with headphones on? Yeah. That's what I picture. You're And like right now, in fairness, you're wearing like this kind of very nice yellow hoodie, so I think, you, and headphones, so this works, this works perfectly. Just make a this train pretty much your it, Zoom background and then, uh, and then I'm, you know, we're going to visualize this thing. We're going to manifest it, as they okay. say. Speaking so of you visual... You for your next birthday? <clears throat> <laughs> little video of me on a train <laughs> for 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, you stepped all over my link there, but that's fine because I enjoyed where you went. Sorry, yeah, I wish you do. No, it's okay, okay Craig. Like, we shouldn't fight and neither should Japanese breakfast and Machine Gun Kelly. Because oh. speaking of, I was going to say speaking of visual manifestations, but boom, you get two of them. You get two fucking links. Um, Happy Japanese- St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> Motherfuckers. I've had half a can of beer. Japanese <laughs> Breakfast and Machine Gun Kelly are not having too much of a big row uh, because Machine Gun Kelly, Japanese Breakfast, of course, an artist that we discussed in our top five, I believe, uh, mm. of 2021. Um, she had an album out uh, called Jubilee, I think. Am yep. I right? <laughs> I loved it that correct. much. Um, with a cool a cover. Um, Machine Gun Kelly's cover of his new album, which is called... Mainstream sellout uh, is kind of similar, I suppose. And she has said it isn't. It's fine. Whereas other places have been trying to kind of stir this, I suppose. Uh, she said, I don't think it actually looks anything like my album cover at all, but I think it's very funny that Rolling Stone put up an article about it just because there's a circular fruit in the foreground. I mean, his is people throwing tomatoes at him and mine is persimmons peacefully hanging around me. <laughs> what a sentence. So I think they're very different concepts. Fair play to her. I like this. Just not getting on board with it whatsoever. People going for the clickbait stuff. And um... oh, the more it goes on with each passing quote, she's more and more like, I'm like, you're fucking cool. She goes, um, addressing the pink color of the tomatoes on the mainstream sellout cover. She said, yeah, it's a very contemporary Avril aesthetic, which, as much as I stan Avril, is an aesthetic I don't really embrace for myself. She knows she has no beef with Machine Gun Kelly, but is definitely amused by the, the idea that she would. 
I've never met Machine Gun Kelly. He seems like a fine person. <laughs> I can't imagine having <laughs> Does <rock> he? <laughs> no, he doesn't. I can't imagine she having rock with anyone. very big hearted. <laughs> but if I had to choose, it probably would be Machine Gun Kelly. She continues, uh, I'm honoured to have a celebrity feud published in Rolling Stone. It was not something I'd anticipated. My manager was like, you should lean into this. <laughs> and she said, I'm excited to see what clickbait you come up with. Japanese records slams Machine Gun She is good. She could be, she would fucking do my job in a second, man. She come up with these headlines, like you get slams into a headline, blast. Like these are yeah. always great ones. I always I always try where possible to crowbar them in. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly responded on Twitter and said, "So should we beef over tomatoes, or should I thank them for introducing me to your album? Because I just listened and I really like it." Wow, this is very diplomatic, isn't it? Everyone's, it is. Everyone's getting it's on lovely. well this week. I mean, I'm not pleased with the way you spell tomatoes, but I'll let it slide. That's fine. Um, will we close, Craig, with some legal trouble? Um, yeah. Before we get to legal trouble, I was just googling there because I was sure this was an actual thing and. Machine Gun Kelly's new album being Mainstream Sellout, right? It it had a previous name and there was a story, I don't think we covered it on the show, but did you hear about this where like Travis Barker is like features quite significantly on the album? I think it's he's basically Corey just Taylor a drummer. Thing, is it? It's no, it's the thing where Travis Barker got matching a matching tattoo with Machine Gun Kelly of the original title for the album and then Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly changed the name. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this. What is it? And yeah, it's, it was supposed to be called um, Born With Horns. So the two of them got tattoos that say Born With Horns. And then Machine Gun Kelly was like, I'm changing the name to Mainstream Sellout. Sorry, bro. <laughs> oh, man, I mean, I feel bad because like, Anytime I see Machine Gun Kelly in a film, I tend to be like, this guy's got charisma and he's not a bad actor. But then like, he's just incredibly cringeworthy and he has said a lot of fucked up stuff online. He is the weed. He is the weed. <clears throat> we wish him well, I suppose. Um, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. man we wish well. <laughs> Generally, yeah. We, we, we As he tend constructs to... that mausoleum on the grounds of his <laughs> rolling estate. <laughs> we, we tend to uh, critically admonish the man, but he is human too, and he's currently going through a three-week court battle, which oh. I believe is in its second week at the moment. Uh, the latest, uh, per The Guardian here, is that Ed Sheeran was targeted with a quote-unquote concerted plan to secure his interest in a songwriter who later accused him of copying one of his songs. We've mentioned that he's up for a copyright legal battle over Shape of You. Uh, the performer Sammy Switch uh, is one of the songwriters in question, and essentially the whole thing this week is that, like, uh, they really, like, you know, kind of mail-bombed him, I suppose, and, like, tried to... Yeah, it seems like it was, like, an orchestrated thing, almost, or... They wanted to uh, essentially become one of his writers or, like, be part of his entourage or whatever, and their claim is, like, there's no way that he couldn't have heard this song because we sent it to him numerous times, went through the management, and it was, in fact, part of a plan to try and get into his organisation, essentially, which, I don't know, mm. I mean, like, maybe that's a thing. Maybe, maybe that's how it works. I mean, like, Sheeran obviously works with multiple songwriters, and if you're a songwriter, you can see that as the golden ticket, I'm, I'm sure. And I'm sure he gets a lot of this, but uh, how is this one going to end, Craig, do we think? I think he's going to be fine. I think he's absolutely fine. I don't think there's much credence in the songs being similar, to be honest. And uh, I mean, when we've covered these cases in the past, a lot of the time we're just going, what, they're giving payouts because there's, you know, someone has stolen a vibe or something like that. It's just getting beyond ridiculous. I think this one seems like a strange one. I think it's going to go in Sheeran's favour. And yeah, just even saying there, like how they were just kind of like, S making such concerted efforts to make a play to work with him and then just be like seizing on any small potential similarities. I don't know. It just seems like they've <laughs> they've got cheering in their sights. They see a big payday and um, I don't think it's going to come. But yeah, we'll see. 
Okay, we will indeed. Sorry, my uh, my throat's gone all dry. Um, it's the emotion of it all, Craig. <laughs> it's the emotion <clears throat> of the day that's in it. Before we go to the top five, um, <laughs> this might be a good moment, speaking of um, influences on songs, etc., etc., to play my little clip, right? Because this was doing the rounds on Twitter um, yesterday, I believe. And it is incredible. I, I don't think you've seen the clip yet. I don't think you've heard this audio, but it's essentially Weird Al Yankovic. Um, it's behind the music and it was like previewed as this is the most incredible behind the music moment of all time. And <laughs> I guess maybe let's just let it play. You're going to hear Weird Al Yankovic and then you're going to hear Mark Muttersbaugh from Devo um, talking about how he felt about Weird Al um, parodying Devo, and it's sensational. In June of 1985, Weird Al Yankovic's third album, Dare to be Stupid, promptly struck gold, just like its Grammy Award-winning predecessor, Eat It. I've always been a huge Devo fan. They've always been one of my very favorite groups. Uh, and every once in a while I do what I call style parodies. I will do a song which is not a parody of a particular song, but it's, it's an original that's very much in the style of a particular artist or group. And I, I played the tape for Mark Mothersbaugh back when it came out, and uh, he seemed to enjoy it. He was like, wow, that's a really cool synth sound. I wish we could get that. I was in shock. Uh, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. And he, was, he seemed to enjoy it. He could have been lying, but I don't know. He sort of re-sculpted that song into something else, and um, I hate him for it, basically. <laughs> I did not see it going that way. It seemed to have like a profound effect on him. He's just like, he has done Devo so perfectly and so beautifully that like, oh, it was all for naught. That's absolutely wonderful. I mean, like, I think, you know, if Weird Al Yankovic, without, <laughs> without even trying... Uh, to be sincere while also taking the piss but not really manages to just fucking gank your band that way you gotta give up don't you you've gotta give up but also it's kind of mission accomplished right by the same token you've you've defined a sound and aesthetic so completely that he's able to do that so I'd say it's a victory for both men who seem lovely and wholesome. The existential crisis, though, that apparently... I know. ...has been I faced. Do you, do you reckon he <laughs> I wrote love Weird Al uh... just being like, maybe he was just being nice, like he didn't give it a second thought. Meanwhile, like, Mark Mothersbaugh is spiralling. <laughs> do you reckon Mark Mothersbaugh, like, regrouped and wrote the Rugrats theme after that? Like, maybe that's what... Maybe that was his He certainly did. He does a lot of, um... He does a lot of soundtracks now, doesn't he? Like, big... What, what has he done recently? I feel like he's a go-to... He probably is poser. a go-to. He probably, yeah. But we'll go to... Our top five, Craig. Um, It is top five songs Uh, in terms of uh, Irish singles, that is. Number one singles, Irish singles chart, 20th century. And as we said at the top of the show, um, these are not strictly Irish songs. Maybe there won't even be a single one in the mix. I don't know. We'll find out. But these are songs that hit the top of the charts before the year 2000. The public were moved to shell out their coins and buy the physical copy keep it in their house and play it to death. Uh, before we get going, what was your relationship with like buying physical music back when you were a teenager? Did you buy singles? I did buy singles, yeah. Um, if I, remember the fir- I, don't, I can't remember the first single I ever bought. I had stuff like, I remember having Fatboy Slim's Praise You on tape. That's a good one. I had um, like Weezer's Hash Pipe on tape, maybe less good. Um, what else did I have singles-wise? I feel like I had a lot of like C- CD singles as well. 
I don't know. But definitely a formative musical moment in my life as like a very young kid was getting a, a Walkman. So just getting tapes for that was like everything, Dave. How about you? Uh, I think I was more of an album guy when I finally got going. I did buy... Oh, look at you. Look <laughs> at you. Finally got going about the age of seven. It was albums all the way. You <laughs> no, know? it was like teens. I, I, it took me a long time to kind of to get around to it. But I did buy, uh, single-wise, I do recall buying... Um, I bought the Friends theme tune, the Rembrandts. And Very I good. bought Blur's Country House. I contributed to that war, that battle. I picked Blur. Was it like a political statement more than anything, yeah? I were was you very, like doing your bit for the cause? I was, yeah. I I, I was full on blur. Like they they were my boys. Actually, now you mention that, right? It was who won in Ireland? Because obviously we, we always just think of the UK battle. But oh, that's like, a really good question. I wouldn't be surprised if Oasis got number one in Ireland. Can you Google that there? Would yeah, you? Yeah, let's let's find out. Um, it, I wonder if it was a if it was a mirror image or if Oasis did in fact do the job over here. They probably did. I feel like because Oasis have the Irish connection as well, don't they? Imagine neither of them did. That would be the most Irish thing. <laughs> and it was like, it? and it was like picture well, house. <laughs> yeah. What was the ninety five? Wasn't it? Sounds about right. It's got to be ninety five. Oh, or it was Blur all the way. Congratulations, Dave. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Country House by Blur was number one for one, two, three, four, five weeks. It turns Oasis out. It turns did out, not have a number one. It turns out one eleven-year-old boy and his pocket money can make a difference, and did. <laughs> did but you buy five copies? I did. Yeah, <laughs> five yeah, different weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wore a series of disguises as well, just to keep it on the level. So, uh, bring it to the level, though, Craig. Uh, you're on worst, so yeah. I guess you got to go first. And you want to say before you're gone? Uh, like I said again, I think that this is one of those ones that you could revisit time over. But I'm happy with my five. Yeah. Um, what do I want to say? I want to say that. Turns out that most people do have terrible taste, just looking at all the number ones over the years. It really is a kind of unforgiving snapshot of what was big in Ireland. Just because, like, going back to the charts started in, like, 1962, and for all of the 60s, you're just seeing... It was tough doing worst because I didn't want to miss anything that was truly abysmal. So I was having to kind of listen to stuff that I'd never heard, just that sounded like it might be a bit dodgy. And just, yeah, you've got you've got running weeks and months where it's show band songs and like Irish covers of like old, like great American songbook songs. And then like occasionally there'll be like a Beatles song, but like they're by no means dominating the charts or like the Rolling Stones will have one hit. Can I ask, did you rule out novelty songs? Because I was going to rule them out. I was going to rule them out as well. But there is in fact one novelty song on my list that I just... I think childhood me was like, you're, you were so traumatized by this song at the time that you have to include it just so you can slam it down. But my first one isn't a novelty song. My first one, Dave, is a song from, oh God, it was, it was one I was going to rule out because I didn't want to include anything from Summertime for Humanity. I didn't want to do, give 1999 any bad publicity, but there was some <laughs> absolute doozies, unfortunately. And um, I had to include this group because I couldn't let them get away with it. They got away with it when I did worst um, post-2000 songs somehow. Um, and they they just started their career in 1999, so they nearly got away with it, but I just can't, all right? So, <laughs> here we go. Here's my number five. It's atrocious. Let's, ugh, let's revel in all its poisonous, insipid glory. Goodbye, my friend, it's hard to die. When all the birds are singing in the sky 
Craig out here with the Tommy gun to start things off. I love it. Westlife. <laughs> Up against the wall, folks. <laughs> um, it's seasons in the sun. It's, um, and yeah, when I mentioned like 60s and 70s, you just had like such great music going on. But then in Ireland, you've got like these, um, you know, matinee idol types just doing songs from decades before. And some things never change because late 90s, a lot of great stuff happening and Westlife doing this. And it's, I picked this one in particular because it's atrocious. I, I don't even like the Terry Jacks version, um, which I don't think was the full original. It was it was originally a Jacques Brel song called Le Marabond. And the song itself, like it, it, most people know at this point that the lyrics are quite like dour um, because it's essentially about a man whose life is slowly slipping away from him. So he's like a dying man and says farewell to his loved ones. Um, so I guess the original French version is very impactful and great. The Terry Jacks one is just insipid and doesn't sit well. Like it's kind of this, becomes this silly kind of novelty-ish song. Um, and this is just that again, like this is like covering the Terry Jacks one, but in a boy band style where it's like they're trying to seduce you, even though the lyrics are about this dying man, like saying goodbye to people. And they're doing their kind of like looking at themselves in the mirror, like with their like bleached hair going, like doing the Melissa thing. And it's just like no understanding of the lyrics whatsoever. And why would they? Because like they didn't pick the song. It was like another example of Louis Walsh just being like, I remember listening to this when I was a, a young child in Mayo and I love this song and it's going to be a big hit. So I'll get the lads to sing it. And he did this to Boyzone. Um, I nearly included uh, a Boyzone song, but actually I think... There was something about Boyzone that was kind of likable, right? Like they were more ramshackle. I think they actually had some songs that you that were not quite bops, but they had are we, some... Um, are we about to do an Oasis versus Blur thing here with Boyzone and Westlife? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think Boyzone... I think it's hard to look it, past. I think it's hard to look past when you're looking like that by Westlife. That's an all-timer. Oh, really? Oh, it's such a good song. Oh, man, I don't know. That's, like, don't. that's like the closest they came to NSYNC territory, no? It, that isn't the one that um, all the Irish fans in Euro 2016 were dancing to, is it? That was, what was that? If it is, if that is well, the no, case, well, that was I, World of Our Own. That yeah. was all the Irish fans in the street dancing to World of Our Own. Which well, was, obviously, I condemn that behaviour, of course. Yes, thank you, thank you. I just in want that on record. Turns. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I feel like Boyzone had actual kind of songs, though, and like some energy. Like where All Westlife could muster was like a key change and like getting off a stool. They were just so... Bland when they yeah. turned up. No, I agree. There, there was a, like I can't believe the words that are about to come out of my mouth, but there was a slight gravitas to Boyzone, wasn't there? There was a classiness. <laughs> there was a humanity to them. Yes, and they I'm, had like <laughs> they kind of characters. Do you know what I mean? And I different did. voices. And like whereas Westlife were just like beige as conveyor belts. And also, yeah. also, yeah. And also, Westlife, Westlife are kind of like the um, they're like the Chelsea. Of boy bands, Ooh, or something. I like they're, this. they're like the I like They're like they're like they had that ready-made platform of like success. Do you know what I mean? Based on the war crimes and crimes against humanity of their owner Louis Walsh. Yes, do you know what I mean? Their own oligarch, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just and we can't, we should never forgive Louis Walsh for anything. <laughs> what he, yeah, for everything. anything, yeah. Um, pop music's twerp in chief, a horrible little bloke. Like oh, it's the most odious seem... cretin that this country's ever produced, possibly. And think of the list that, that how long that list is. Jesus, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, we won't go into all the various hateful things that Louis Walsh has no, done. But we but will the music, say, the music is enough. We yeah. will say, fuck Louis Walsh. Um, <laughs> yes, 100%. Right, so yeah, boys don't get my pick. They're, they're, they're significantly classier. Although, was he involved? Maybe he was, I don't fucking know. Oh no, he, he, was, he like set up yeah. Boys On. Okay. That was like his first opening ambit. But I think that was kind of the more innocent early days. And I think they escaped him at a certain point and it just got darker and darker. Boys on also have the infamous Late Late Show clip. So there is that kind of like, you know, yeah. charm about it all. Um, and I interviewed Ron Keaton and he was quite charming. So points and for roller coaster is a banger. Is it? Yeah, come on, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. It's Life co- is roller coaster. Co-written by Greg Alexander of the New Radicals. I bought that album on cassette tape, Craig. The album, <laughs> not the single, the album. Can you name the album? <laughs> I bet you can't. Um, no, but when you say it, I'm going to be like, that is such a fucking... Go on. I think it was called Maybe You've Been Brainwashed Too. Yes, perfect. Right. Perfect. Am, I, am I doing my number five? Yeah, let's do it. So over to the best corner. These are the best songs that went to number one in Ireland before the year 2000. There's only one way to start this list, and here it is. <laughs> South America! Calling out around the world Are you ready for a brand new beat? I had to get you back last week for, for last week's fucking oh. runner of Bonnie Tyler. That is not, in fact, my number five. Uh, <laughs> great song the original <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not going to play it five times don't worry here is my actual number five was that, a no, was that number one yeah in uh, Ireland yeah of course or have you, did, no, oh, yeah, okay, no it was right. yeah, as, soon, as soon as I saw <laughs> it, it just like, randomly pick it like, yeah. no, no it went to number one and started this which is actually great here we go number five From now 19- it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, now you, wanna go out, started. now you want to go out and get trashed. Uh, this is from 1998, <laughs> The Tamperer featuring Maya. The song is called Feel It. And what a fucking banger it is. This was great. I loved this at the time. And, you know, I, I, when else is there going to be an opportunity to get this into a top five? So it had to go straight in. Uh, kind of a one-hit wonder. Definitely a one-hit wonder. This is pretty much the highlight of their very short-lived career. Uh, it, Italian group, kind of a tallow dance. And their lead singer is American, I believe. Um, this is based off a Jackson family song, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's Can You Feel Can It. Can You Feel It. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, in fairness, you know, they needed to write tunes, didn't they? Um, and it was a banger. It just kind of came out of nowhere. I will say, right, the um, the full five-minute version of this is fucking awesome. The build is so good. Oh, really? Because the single was, like, just under three minutes. Like, I think even, like, the video edit is, like, two and a half. So do look up the five-minute version because, like, there's a, there's a big minute-long build before it kicks in. And it, I'm telling you, man, it just gets you in the fucking mood it's so good um i remember when this came out and it was kind of doing the rounds on like top 30 hits and stuff and there was this whole thing about you know like that line what's she gonna look like with a chimney on her 
I remember my uncle, like way back in the day when this was like on top of the pops or something, saying, you know what, that's a reference to, don't you? And I was like, what? Is this what you're going to say? Yeah. It's like a Wizard of Oz thing, is it? Yeah, there's that, but there's also like, apparently it was like a slang. It was like Northern Irish slang for a black eye. And oh right, maybe uh, and, tell me that. And there was even like kind of a level of like there was kind of anti-violence campaigners kind of like giving out about it. But the oh, maybe. Okay. the group have insisted that that is not the case whatsoever. So here's a quote from one of the band: uh, "Contrary to popular belief, we weren't talking about a black eye. That was just one of those crazy '90s rumors that got a lot of pace. Like two unlimited were killed in a plane crash, or Doctor Albin was an actual brain surgeon. Uh, the rumor." <laughs> originated in Northern Ireland and despite half of my family moving over there to open chip shops I've never even been when I penned those inspirational lyrics I was literally thinking about what a girl would look like with an actual chimney on her um it notes that this member of the band is an active anti-domestic violence campaigner and absolutely did not like this whatsoever but there's some interesting also the reference thing where he's just like half my family have moved over to Northern Ireland yeah suggests that yeah I don't By know. By osmosis, there might have been something there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think we're getting into very, like, potentially murky territory, you know, in terms of just being like, I don't Better know. Better we not, Dave, on this show. <laughs> just the thing. I mean, Quite like, frankly. That's true. Um, Maya, the singer with the great vocals, uh, spoke about the song and the tamperer and said, The guys certainly were very stylish, but their ideas on women's fashion weren't so slick. They kept trying to get girls to dress up as buildings and lamp posts. They actually thought that they were destined for the Milan Fashion Week with a range of industrially themed dresses. That's what the song was really all about. They soon changed their tune after I volunteered to wear a chimney on my head at one of our live shows and we got laughed off the stage. I looked so stupid. It was the most demoralizing thing I've ever done. Needless to say, that was the end of their fashion dreams. So yeah, short-lived project with some kind of weird... Uh, inner animosity to a degree but what a fucking song right it's great yeah those kind of bells are Tremendous. just phenomenal Tremendous. Just, yeah there's a real gravitas to it or something so it's a weird song like just something kind of very compelling about it that I can't quite put it's my finger on it's kind of but, yeah. like, for a, like it's kind of menacing you know like, yeah, like, yeah that's it there's a menace to it like yeah which is great I think we need more of that and like it, it felt like an outlier in terms of like what would top the Irish charts in like 98 like it was just kind of like what is this where did it come from it was put on like a now compilation that I'd bought and it's hilarious because I think it was on like you know it's like two tracks after like embrace with like my weakness is none of your business and then this comes on and you're like wow the jarring tonal shift here great fucking song excellent okay speaking of menaces um this is my novelty song this is the kind of thing that ireland would propel to the top of the charts in the 1990s hit it dave the little lad I used to go to school I'd sit down there in the set Feeling like a fool The teacher told us everything Everything we know She had a great big lump of a stick That was bent into a bow She'd go in Fuck the gaff Fuck the truth Fuck the lele And I not know no Fuck the little She'd go in Fuck the gaff Fuck the truth Fuck the lele And I not know no Richie Kavanagh, Dave, it's Ain Fuckalella, and my word, this was a number one hit. Can you explain in, for any of our non-Irish listeners what they just heard there, and how in fact there's a loophole here, isn't there, Craig? Oh yeah, so it's one other word, I guess, is Ain Fuckalella, right? Is my Irish up to speed? <laughs> That's correct, I think, yeah. I know that much, yeah. Fuckle in Irish is in fact... Not a w- fuckle yeah, in English. It's a word and it's about like learning Irish in school or your school days are. But obviously the whole thing is like, ha, ha, ha. 
Did they he get around it though? Fuck. Like surely the likes of Larry Gogan were appalled. No, I mean, did this get radio play? It got I mean, radio play in Ireland. It, yeah, wow, it, was, okay. it was humongous. Um, not so much in England though, Dave. Or the um, the UK. His songs have often been a topic of controversy, says Wikipedia. He's a real Howard Stern. Explicit <laughs> and risque lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos Howard Stern. <laughs> Thus the song Ain't Fuck Lella was banned by BBC radio stations. Amazing. And could only, be pl- could only be played on other radio stations in the UK after midnight. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's the prodigy. What the fuck? Incredible, yeah. This is literally the year the Firestarter comes out and he was like public enemy number one. <laughs> I love it. See, I kind, yeah, I kind of love that. I kind of respect that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Um, the melody's there yeah, as well. Like, it's it's a bit honest. subversive in terms of like uh, the UK, yeah, for sure. And like he, he was quoted as saying it got like a lot of play in London. Like some like kind of cool London stations were like, aha, this is hilarious and would play it after midnight and it kind of charted a little bit. Uh, on some like independent labels and stuff or independent charts and stuff but um no I'm sorry I'm sorry I remember this coming out and like what was it seven or eight years old and this would be where would you hear it? this is a bit like a kids birthday parties or something or like school stuff and you'd have other kids and grown adults being like this is a laugh <laughs> see what he's doing here <laughs> this is the good stuff bit of crack here you see the faces Craig is making right now and it's I great remember, <laughs> distinctly feeling already a 33 year old hipster essentially just being like these are these are not my people I need to get out of here <laughs> I need to get away from here <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I, I fair play to him I guess he was like <laughs> he was a struggling musician um, for a long time or he was a singer songwriter in the 70s he dried his own material he thought he was a bit of a jokester kind of popular entertainer a he had his own comedy routine will. a japester and he was in his 40s and this became a hit and like fair play to him and we wish him well. But my God, this was unbearable and it was everywhere. This was huge. This is one of the biggest selling Irish singles of all time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, in fairness, it is terrible. I can't support it, but at least it's not Dustin the Turkey who I thought you were teeing up. That's kind of worse to me somehow. Well, Dustin the Turkey does not feature, right? Okay. And I was listening back. Do you know why Dustin got away with it? Because he would usually do... Because he wasn't real. (laughs) Because he's a puppet. (laughs) That's why. You can't prosecute a puppet, Craig. Let me tell you. I've tried. It doesn't work. Most of of his songs were like kind of pop songs that he would just like Dustin over. Yeah. And like rope Joe Dolan in as well. Yeah, a good looking woman. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of funny. Like, it's, it's kind of it's funny. Better name, it's kind of funny. The, the funniest was he did Rat Trap with Bob Geldof. <laughs> that was the number one. <laughs> Fucking, he got Bob Geldof to redo Rat Trap. Famously uh, <laughs> convivial yeah, man, Bob Geldof. Yeah. My God. My God. Okay. Right. I can't add much more. Instead, I'll pivot now back to the best corner. And here comes uh, a music video that terrified me when I was a young sprog. You'd better hope and pray that you make it safe back to your own world. You'd better hope and pray that you'll wake one Sleep at night 
Day by Shakespeare's sister, Craig. Shakespeare's sister, yeah. Very nine-inch nailsy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Maybe, yeah, maybe in 1992, I I was onto a winner. Um, Project of ex Bananarama singer Siobhan Fahi, and it was originally a solo project, I believe, but then. Uh, the amazingly named American musician Mar- Marcella Detroit joined up. And they became a duo. This was their big yeah. number one. It was there for is there number one in the uh, in the UK charts for eight weeks? It, I think it was, I think it was only one week in the Irish charts. I could be wrong on that one, but it definitely wasn't eight weeks. Um, but it was kind of everywhere at the time, being played on top of the pops and stuff. And do you remember the video? I don't remember the video now. I was slightly before my time, I think. I don't remember seeing it like at the time. Okay, I, well, I must have seen it since then. But is it very memorable? I've, yeah, I, I think so. I, th- I think it is very memorable. Um, I've got a kind of a slightly uh, regulate esque, sincere synopsis of it here that I can oh, read. Oh, great. Okay. Um, so just three paragraphs. The video starts with a view of a calm night sky, wherein a shooting star passes over a full moon, and the song begins. The camera pans back into what appears to be a hospital room, showing Marcella Detroit and her lover, who's in a coma and on the verge of death. As Detroit uh-huh. tends to him, she sings to him not to leave her. At the bridge of the song, a portal opens, and the angel of death, as played by Fahey, appears at the top of the staircase wearing a wow. sparkling catsuit. She dances around in front of a bright light while mocking Detroit that she cannot save her lover and the best she can hope for is to return safely to her own world. Detroit tries her best to wake the man up while death slowly makes her way down the stairs to claim his soul. (laughs) The two women begin fighting over the man, making it literally and figuratively a fight between life, brackets, Detroit, and death, brackets, Fahey. During their struggle, the man finally wakes up and he and Detroit embrace while death, having failed to seduce him into her realm, walks away in disgust and goes back up the staircase to the light, presumably being the stairway to heaven. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. Um, this is some Jim Steinman-esque shit, if ever I've heard it. It is, and it's a hell of a video, and I remember being mesmerised by it as a child. Um, it looks like the budget was about 10 pence, but they kind of make it work. It's got wacky acting it's, as well, particularly from Sean Valley. very... Yeah, it sounds very 80s, doesn't it? Like It's, it's super like 80s, kind of, yeah, yeah, super 80s. It feels, yeah, very much so. I mean, and kind of the last time, like, the last vestiges, I think, like in terms of that kind of weird early 90s kind of crossover thing. I yeah. mean, this feels like the kind of song that like would have like, you know, inspired a generation and then like literally like, you know, but just down the road, the Brothers Gallagher plugged in their first amps. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Real music, real haircuts, real lads. Real yeah. music was coming for Shakespeare's sister and for a lot of people in Britain. Uh, it's just a classic fucking pop rock song. I think it's great. Um, it's demanding in its way, but kind of beautiful in its reward. And it had to be here for me. Very, very good. Okay, back to the worst. And I'm keeping a kind of country. Um <laughs> Which was just, if you look through all these fucking year lists, it, there's so much country and Western stuff, which I've never understood. Country and Irish, I believe, is the correct term. Um, I was talking to my ma this week because I was just like, can you remember growing up? Was there really atrocious? Like, what were, what do you remember as someone with taste being like, this is the worst of the worst? And she was like, she was saying we Daniel and I wasn't having any of that right but she was saying like Margot and then like stuff like Red Hurley and she actually wanted me to include the Saw Saw Doctors I used to love her which apparently she hates which I can kind of understand but I think actually it's because the one time she went to um, see the Late Late Show filmed live Oh my god 
I remember her going to it with her sister and they were very excited because at the time it was like you would get amazing shit. Like, yeah. you know, the one for everyone in the audience. Like, you'd, you'd never know what you're going to get. And she came back with like a walk and a Saw Doctor <laughs> CD. Actually, a cassette. I think it was a cassette. So that's definitely a grudge. But the one she did single out was Big Tom, right? Oh yeah, Big Tom. Oh, Big Tom and the Mainliners, right? Who just seemed to symbolise all of that just shocking, shocking, massively popular down the country at the kind of dance and awfulness. I haven't gone with Big Tom. I've gone with a tribute to the man himself from the late 70s. Yeah, so that's Susan McCann um, with her tribute to Big Tom. Big Tom is still the king. The year was 1977. Um, the whole punk thing was kicking off. Yes, there it <laughs> Disco is. Disco music was thriving. And yeah, this was a number one hit in Ireland. And it's a real like clarion call of like, do you know what country and Irish music is still massively popular and, you know, which are, which are, hip music up in Dublin you can just go piss off because this is important to us damn it and it's like it kind of symbolises everything I hate about this particular kind of music Um, we had our country music top five and there was um, a lot to love about country music it's something like I'm still kind of getting into Um, as are you maybe you're kind of slightly more into it but um it's it's particularly this kind of country and Irish weird, like, uncanny valley thing of, like, it's not really Irish trad. It's, like, them trying to do John Denver stuff, but it's, like, syrupy and awful and, like, I don't know, for people on tractors down in, like, the Midlands, where it's, like, I feel if you go slightly further west, you're into actual decent trad music, but there's this weird hinterland of, I don't know, lyrics that are so prosaic. Like, this song is just, like... Oh, we love our country music. To us, it's everything. Like it's, it reminds me of like when you'd listen to like, you'd be off sick from school or something. You'd listen to Jerry Ryan or something. Um, <laughs> wild, the, wild day off school. I mean? It'd be on in the kitchen. You'd be off sick and it'd be on in the kitchen or something. You go down and like, can I stay home from school like, and listen to Jerry? <laughs> please, mom. <laughs> I think he's going to play some Big Tom today. <laughs> or at the very least a tribute Irish to the radio man. where you'd have you'd have like callers that'd be like coming on at the end of the show just being like I wrote a poem that I think sums up everything we talked about on the show today you know that kind of stuff where sure. it's just like terrible rhyming couplets of like the most banal stuff and um, so Big Tom was huge in the 60s fronted the show band Big Tom the mainliners um and yeah, just he had a lot of number one hits himself. His Wikipedia, um, just to give you a bit of colour, says that Big Tom suffered from a fear of flying. Um, so he would have to, like in 1980, he undertook a sea voyage across the Atlantic Ocean to record his Blue Wings album in Nashville. And then another what, sorry, what a, tidbit. What a beautiful way of phrasing it. He undertook a sea voyage. <laughs> yeah, it's great, actually. That's <laughs> very good. <laughs> very poetic. A few lines later, though, we get the line, in September 2004, Big Tom was reported to have been in a list of Irish tax evaders. <laughs> but anyway, RIP to the big man. And Susan McCann is still very much with us. Um, so what do we know about Susan? I think this was her only big hit, seems to be. 
But her Wikipedia will tell us that she has enduring and international popularity. She has recorded more than 650 songs wow. across her career. <laughs> and toured around the world and performed at numerous prestigious venues including Carnegie Hall and Dollywood. That's fucking great. Yeah. It also says she's had recording deals in South Africa and toured Russia. South America. Um, (laughs) Has sung for former US President George H.W. Bush and his son George W. Bush. Not so great. Feels like she's very much on the wrong side of history. (laughs) (laughs) Much like country music itself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know, right. But it does seem like she has had a very solid career and also speaks, I guess, to this alternative universe where a lot of people are into this kind of stuff and it's its own ecosystem and it's massive and I don't get it. But still, like, I mean, the Late Late Show will still do, like, their country music specials. Sure, and fucking be, like, country to country just to- played three arena there, like, back to back, presumably, like, every year it's a, it's, it's a money spinner. Um, a few things I want to pick up on, Craig. First, I want to open, yeah. I want to open my second can of beer and I'm wary oh, about the last one exploding all over me despite much okay. like this one lying dormant be in careful. my fridge for since the fucking middle of January. So it's probably going to happen again. But this can be my Stone Cold Steve Austin-esque tribute to, to Big Tom. Uh, oh, yeah, fuck me. It just, ex- like, it went all over the mic and my glasses now. What the hell? This is unbelievable. I haven't, like, they're just lying in my fridge for two months. This is ridiculous. But cheers. Cheers, buddy. cheers to you. Cheers to Big Tom. I'm going to take a little sup now. All right. Mm. Let's pour one out for Big Tom. <laughs> all over my carpet. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing, right? Uh, shade thrown to people who drive tractors, man. What's come on? It's a living. Oh no, like the, no people have to drive tractors. I mean, it's a very important part of agriculture. Huge. I'm more talking about the lyrics themselves sure. are like trying to evoke something magical about driving a tractor. But what um, I wanted to get at to drill down even deeper, which, are yeah. you saying that this song somehow is maybe the original? Is she the original gatekeeper? Is this gatekeeping of of the country music? Did you feel? you know, talked down to when you entered into this realm. I think this is very spoken down to, but I guess this is probably a a reaction on her behalf to like feeling spoken down to from the glitterati in Dublin, maybe. Sure, sure. the hip types that were like, you know, going to the discos Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, she wasn't wrong. I mean, this music was still massive and it still is massive. What, 40 something years on? Well, listen, um, man. But I don't understand it and I can't. I, it, there's a whole weird, it's a weird little phenomenon. I don't quite That's okay, though. understand. You don't have to. It's fine. Yeah. I, it's, I'm so all for saying I should calm down. Yeah, That's I think what, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you've, you've lost the thread here. You're out of, <laughs> he's out of control, folks. Um, look, I'm all, for, I'm all for different perspectives and I'm all for altered states, Craig. And that's why my number three sounds a bit like this. Never gets old, man. It's breathed by the Prodigy from 1996, so I believe. Uh, released yeah. as the second single from The Fat of the Land. Is it their finest hour, do we think? It might be. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of people would say music for Jilted Generation was the cream of the crop musically. But I think this, like, as a kind of cultural moment as well, was just humongous, right? Like, it's it's just, it was so forward-thinking. It was so unique. 
And yeah, I think this song in particular is probably musically their finest. Um, just, I just, I still marvel at and love the fact that they got so fucking massive. Huge. Like they were the biggest rock band in the world. Huge in America. They like weren't like a crack, rock band. Crack yeah. In America, yeah. It's, it's like for this kind of what sounds like a bedroom project, you know, and yet became stratospheric. And it's weird because I think somewhere along the way, the prodigy became a bit of a punchline, even for people like yeah. myself. Like I'm, I'm certain that we reviewed... Uh, their last album on the show and probably trashed it and I feel bad about that especially in the wake of Keith Flynn's passing but ultimately not to gloss over that I mean like you know it's you have this weird kind of relationship I was I was talking to when I interviewed James Vincent Moore recently we were talking about like Chester Bennington and I was noting how like I fucking I, I wrote a terrible review of a Linkin Park album I've done a terrible review of a Linkin Park album on the podcast like it's you have weird relationships with these things kind of you know yeah years later um, you never mean to fully cross a line or anything but the Prodigy crossed very interesting lines, I think. They felt so fucking dangerous and counterculture in the 90s in particular. I remember being in a friend's house when I was like 10 or 11 or 12 or something and seeing No Good start the dance on TV and being like, what was that? What did I just experience? I don't understand yeah. what that was. And I'm, I'm a bit scared of it. My brother was big into them. I eventually came around on them. At their best, man, I really do think that the case can be made that they're an, an underrated act. I think that there is incredible magic in their songs and a genuine i used the word earlier on menace but a genuine menace in some of the stuff that they do this song has never gotten old to me i love it every time i hear it a whip crack has never sounded better in its life <laughs> um yeah i don't even know how they do some of the things that they do uh and i, I listened i threw on like their greatest hits or whatever or some, some best off playlist the other day when i was in work and my god it's the most fun era i've had all week someone like like their best 10 songs are all-timers for me and this might be the top of the list i think the prodigy fucking rule i regret never seeing them live properly i kind of walked past them at festivals when i was kind of yeah. over it if it oh god it really felt like one of those ones where it's like i'll see them at some point they'll be doing this for of decades course. well i should yeah, say course, yeah. um they have actually announced they are going back on tour for their first time in years for the first time since okay. since the sad passing of keith flint and, and rest in peace to that man by the way he was genuinely iconic in in a very unique way and a huge yeah. part of this act. And I am I hope that they can find some new kind of ground without him. I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that those shows will be amazingly cathartic in their own right. But in closing, Craig, I will say that our old friend Larry Flick of Billboard uh, <laughs> said that Breathe, uh, with its jittery faux funk beat, caustic synths and snarling vocals, gets stronger with repeated spins. He's not wrong. What a song. No, definitely. It's an interesting one because I think I think what undid them was Liam Howlett, who was obviously the primary songwriter. Um, post kind of that massive success, they toured obviously for years and years, and he didn't really know what to do with the like. I think they they only came back in like two thousand and two. Which remember that song, which was terrible. Baby's got a temper. Yeah, it's not good. Which was like a parody thing, and it's like then he tried to completely move away from it and move away from the Keith Flynn thing and reimagine the act, and it's. I guess it's what happens when you have such an impact, right? It's like you start second-guessing yourself and um, hopefully, yeah, he kind of turns it back around and be interested in hearing new stuff. But that's, yeah, such a, so enjoyed that clip. That was tremendous. You're not going to enjoy this next clip, Dave. <laughs> Promise. Because there was bags of, I just don't get it with the country and Irish stuff, for sure. But I think it's hard to say, I don't get the kind of douche chills from it in the same way I do every time I listen to this little creep. Yeah. 
Krista <laughs> Berg. Who else? Lady in Red. <laughs> the Aldi version of Brian Ferry there. It's your service. Very nice. Seductive. Yeah. <laughs> seductive sounds of a man um, who would have an affair with his 19 year old um, kid's nanny. Straight in. While huh? his, <laughs> his wife was recovering from a broken neck in hospital. Um, he did feel guilty afterwards and they reconciled so grand listen there's no need for ad hominem attacks when the music is this atrocious <laughs> my god I think the most the worst thing about Lady in Red and all of Christopher's stuff is that that kind of lush pillowy sound is actually kind of dangerously close to some stuff that I might listen to <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> like it's the production's kind of on point but as soon as he starts singing it's just it totally curdles and it is it's music like Alan Partridge would use to set the mood when he's like enjoying a fish supper with a young lady. You know, kind of way. It's like Why the lyrics are bland supper? nothingness. And that feels like a kind of English thing, isn't it? Is that not just a thing that like fish supper? Maybe. I don't um, know. We won't we won't fixate on it. Let's not fixate on it. But you know that like it, 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 this is very evocative to me, but it's not evocative of like a seductive The song is about him not recognising his own wife at a, at a party. <laughs> he like sees this woman in red and he's like, oh, don't mind if I do. And he's like, oh my God, it's my loving wife. The arrogance of that is astounding. <laughs> You've never looked so beautiful. Actually, do you know what? It's a real, it could work as a companion piece to, um, do you remember we were talking recently about Eric Clapton and uh, You Look Wonderful Tonight, which is like when you dive into the verses, it's like he get gets absolutely ploughed and she has to like, carry him home essentially and he's just like darling you looked wonderful tonight that's <laughs> <laughs> like so romantic <laughs> it's just like it's inadequate in every department it speaks to me of like music for showrooms off the nice road for like you know Saturday afternoons they're like an upwardly mobile couple will buy like a, a new oven and then they'll go home, like crack open a bottle of wine and this will be playing. Oh it's my God. just the worst <laughs> so, of the worst. This is, like, this is the vision of a hellscape. Um, <laughs> it is, it's a hellscape. Can I, I hate it. Can I, can I ask you, is it, yeah. is it divorce core? Oh yes, this is divorce core actually. It is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is pre-divorce. I think actually he might be still with his wife and fair play to them. I mean, you know, they worked it out. for the kids. They worked it out. Who would become, you know, a future Miss, Miss Universe? Ireland? Um, Miss Universe? Miss World? One of them. Yeah, fair play to her. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he is, he is very much a divorce core artist. Because he had that whole thing of like, he got big kind of later on. It was like in the 80s. It's like this very overly produced, like, just got a, my first CD player thing. Yeah, yeah, definite divorce core. And terrible. Um... <sighs> I'm not going to say I've got a soft spot for it. Oh, you have a soft spot for it, do you? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's not as terrible as as his reputation suggests. And um, there's a very good needle drop of it in American Psycho, uh, if I recall oh, correctly. Okay, where okay, like, right. so maybe that's he's like lying on the couch and work, avoiding work, and he's got his headphones on, and it's just very fun. And it's clearly picked for like this guy's an asshole with terrible taste in music, and that's why it suits. Uh, I remember listening to like Man on the Line for an old No Encore years ago, which is astonishing album artwork, by the way, in which he's looking like into a phone and it's like something out of the Matrix or something. It's, you know, he's ahead of his time. Um, let me quote a couple of paragraphs from a quite astonishing interview he did with the UK Independent. Yeah, he's in yeah, 2012, he's character. right? 2012, right? By uh, Deborah, Deborah Ross was the journalist. So the headline is Christoberg, quote, I love myself. I'm not saying this in a narcissistic way. 
This is how the article begins. I'll give you the first two paragraphs. I meet Christoberg, the singer-songwriter and a man for whom surely the blouson-style leather jacket was invented, at a hotel <laughs> just outside Enniskerry, a small village in County Wicklow, Ireland, nearby to where he lives, and where, somewhat gratifyingly, he arrives wearing not only a blouson-style leather jacket, but a shiny black one that is new on today. It's Hugo Boss, he says. He's only just bought it, he adds. First time on, just for you, he concludes. Great, I say, largely because I'm stuck for anything else to say. Terrific, well done. We settle at a table. Tea for him, coffee for me. He is otherwise wearing brown cords and a royal blue cable knit sweater. Cashmere, he says, from Monaghan's. He helpfully spells it out. M-O-N-A-G-H-A-N-S. He is small, five foot six inches, with tiny hands and the sort of hair that doesn't quite have the courage of its convictions, doesn't quite have the oomph to make it to full mullet. He is certainly uber friendly, at least initially. He even squeezes my knee a couple of times, which is interesting. He also says... Shall I call you Debbie? I say, I'd rather you didn't. He says, Oh my God. He says, Does no one call He's you? Worm. Does no one call you Debbie? No, I tell him. He then asks, rather inexplicably, Not even your husband, when he's trying to fix the dishwasher. I say, If you knew my husband, you'd know he's not the sort of man who, fix, who can fix a dishwasher. Chris says, I can fix dishwashers. Oh my God. What the hell is happening? I was brought up in a castle with no money and lots of imagination. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about plumbing at an early age. It's interesting and actually very logical. Right, I say. Hell of an interview. Hell of a man. He was he was brought up in a castle in Wexford. Which is just madness. <laughs> I think it explains a lot, do you? Yeah, and he also went to Sorry the same that. school in England. Yeah. He was in the year below Nick Drake. And he asked, um, he asked to join a jazz band that Nick, or that Nick Drake had formed and he was rejected because he was too poppy. I think my second selection back on the, my number two, back on the best yeah, let's do it. corner is actually a pretty good compliment to what you just picked. Let's go. Okay. Do it, Craig. It's uh, an unironic shout for Enya and Orinoco Flow. Orinoco Flow, absolute <laughs> banger. It is an absolute <laughs> banger, right? It's an incredible uh, song. I th- but again, I think that she was a punchline, is a punchline, maybe. There's been some weird kind of reclamation project of her, I think, in recent years. People are kind of like, you know, coming out of the woodwork being like, actually, Enya fucking rules and it's time to give her respect. I remember Hot Press put, on, put her on the cover of a Christmas issue once, the annual thing. Pitchfork have an article that they, they never stop pimping where they're like, it's time to put respect on the name of Enya. Um, what is her appeal? What is her kind of aura, would you say? Um, I mean, she is a massive proponent of Celtic mysticism, I would say, Dave. Definitely. So it depends on how you feel about that. <laughs> I think the whole thing was obviously like her stuff is very easy listening and it was massively selling. So there was it was just associated with probably what I've just done to Christa Burke, which is just like you, you kind of imagine scenarios in which it's played. Uh, the difference being that, that she's a massive talent and her kind of easy listening stuff is actually quite um, innovative or distinctive, like ambient um, a mix of ambient classical and Irish trad as well. I don't know a huge amount of her stuff, but this is amazing. Only time's amazing. You could I could run through like about ten songs that I would listen to often enough. Um, 
good kind of background music, but in the best possible way. So yeah, she deserves her credit. And um, she worked for her castle, unlike Christopher. True, true. Yeah, fair statement. Ambient chillax, says Craig. Um, <laughs> do you know, this has been used in many films, of course, and often in an uh, ironic way. Um, I think Bo Burnham used it in eighth grade. And I think part of the communication with her was to be like, I actually want to treat this with respect. I don't want it to be a, a stinger, you know. Um, but yeah. it is used uh, in a comedic way, I think, a very darkly comedic way. Uh, do you know what film I'm thinking of? It's used in a very, very dark sequence in a famous film, which was a remake, very dark, mysterious, serial killer type <sighs> thing. Would I know it? You definitely it a massive Yeah, yeah. It was big okay. enough, big enough. Kind of divisive, but very good. I'll, I'll tell you. All, all, yeah, all that's coming to mind right now is, again, Alan Partridge <laughs> singing this to himself. <laughs> Which is very, very good. Yeah. Now, this Go is enough. used uh, in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake. Um, oh, okay. Have okay, you okay. seen that film? Yeah, yeah, I saw it like years when ago. When the killer is revealed um, and Daniel Craig is in a spot of bother, this comes on. And it's very like, I remember sitting in the cinema being like, what the fuck? And that was the reaction yeah. of like every Irish person in that sequence. Um, <laughs> but apparently the story goes that like one night Daniel Craig and David Fincher were out having drinks after a day of shooting, which oh, I wish I was in like the film industry just to be at those situations. Wouldn't that be great? You know, know. just hanging out in the bar. Um, and apparently they were like, what fucking song are we going to use for that sequence? Like, And I believe one of them started pissing themselves, possibly Daniel Craig, and the other one was like, what, what is it? He's like, oh, I've got it, I've got it. He goes, we'll do Sail Away by Enya. And they were like, you mean Orinoco Flow? <laughs> and they used it. <laughs> and the rest is history. And it actually kind of works. And I don't think it's a jab at her. I think it's actually kind of a weird, kind of strange universal appeal that the song has. It's a belter. Yeah. Can't admit that I throw it on too often, but I threw it on quite a bit this week for the purposes of this list. And I was like, you know what? This fucking rules. Fair play to the Irish public for getting it up there to the number one spot. I like how you're just like, I, I don't put it on too often after I've just been like, yeah, I'll stick on some Enya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you meditate. Let's so. go. <laughs> you do. Same thing. Imagine if all this talk of me meditating was actually just me kind of set, like pretending that I'm meditating and I've just been listening to Enya. It's the same thing. Nah, that, I mean? That's called, uh, I think they call that stolen valor, Greg, and you're not that kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of, I guess making... Uh, <sighs> That was going to be a weird link, but I'm just I'm just going to say this second. is an act. Take a breath. This is an act. They're not an Irish act. This was a song I'd never heard before. They're a Euro-Caribbean vocal group created by a German record producer. And it's them sticking themselves into a situation that they've no part of. Sorry, just to say then. a jaunty tune. I did say to you, I think I said to you off mic before we started, I said there's at least one song that you better have picked in your worst list. And you clearly haven't. So you clearly haven't picked What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Shame on you. Should have picked that. One of the worst songs of all time. Oh man, I didn't even see that. Oh, I went to number one. I just glided past I went to it. number one. I don't think it's quite as toxic as this, my friend. Here you go. What the fuck? It's Boney M. Um, I thought it might have been. Belfast. Yeah. C- c- because I, I thought that was Ra Ra Rasputin for a second. 
I mean, yeah, it's like their brand of um, very popular Euro disco, um, tackling the troubles. Oh my god, I didn't know this existed. I mean, yeah, neither did I, <laughs> but it did, and it does, and it was a massive hit. So wait, in Ireland. So wait, it's called Belfast, is it? It's called Belfast. Do you think Kenneth Branagh was tempted like... to throw it into the trailer for his current opus? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. This was a number one everywhere. Pretty okay. This was number one: Ireland, Germany, France, Belgium, Switzerland. Got to number eight in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I just the lyric is extremely vague. Um, Give me the lyric. Stuff again. about the the kids are leaving. Got to be believing when the bell rings. You'll, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. But like, I never really got the Rasputin thing. Like, I think people, that's that's undergone a thing where people are like, that's a great, quirky, brilliant pop song. This song about like, famous, like, holy man slash rascal. Russia's <laughs> Russia. greatest love machine, yeah. I believe, is the uh, parlance, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, lover of the Russian queen. Um, <laughs> but like, okay, you can get away with that really because like, you know, I just feel like this coming out in what year was it? Yeah, this this came out in 1978, Dave. So it was soon? the 70s. <laughs> Bookaroo. Bookaroo, very fucking too soon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus Christ! In the US and Canada, the song was never released and was replaced by "Daddy Cool," which is on in the fairness due to a phenomenal context. song. Like, let's be it fair. It is, and, That's and, a great and, and there's song. a very fun placebo cover of that one that everyone should check out if they haven't already. Rivers of Babylon, you know. Yep. A lot of fun, but what were they doing with this? Um, so it was the second single on their 1977 album, Love for Sale. It was the first one to feature lead vocals by Marcia Barrett. And apparently, so so the guy, the German producer that put together Boney M had written it for this singer when she was a solo artist in the early 70s. And then like Boney M had like no material at this point. So, like, when she joined, they were just like, okay, there's this song, there's this weird song that she's been doing. We can just use this. And, like, people were like, I don't know if we should be using this. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. And it was fine. It was a massive hit. The B-side of it was was a song called... fine, Craig. (laughs) The B-side was called Plantation Boy. I haven't heard that one. You're joking. I'm not joking. I'm also not joking that this was originally called Londonderry. Oh, my God, Um, man. And the the website Song Facts, which I occasionally go to, um, has the line, this was originally called Londonderry, but don't even think of trying to squeeze four syllables into that hook. Yeah, that's well, the problem. Well, they could have gone with Derry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Those bricks. <laughs> but it's just a song about the troubles that's like, Jaunty. sounds like the YMCA. Yeah, like let's, fucking... <laughs> let's dance down the club. Like that that is, this is baffling. Like, but again... Went to number one in Ireland. Why was it big here? <laughs> These people were living through the troubles. Maybe I, I don't want to talk for anyone in that era, like anyone who went through abject horror. But like, could there? I'm trying. I'm trying. Like, I'm not trying to fucking. Go on, get, Dave, go on. I'm not trying to get a gag here, but I'm wondering: is this the fucking birth of optimism? Because I've never imagined a more like put a brave face on it. Like, like because like, what else? What, like, sure, do, do people buy it because it was called Belfast and then listen to it and we're like, what the hell did I just buy? And then they couldn't get their know. money back? I mean, like... I feel like it's a thing of just, like, obviously it was a number one What year? In, 78. In the Republic. 78. Hot Press was I'm a thing by then. What did they have to say about it? Surely somebody was like... Oh, God, yeah. We'll have well, to dig that could up. Could go either way with that magazine, to be fair, time. as we know. <laughs> I mean, they were very right on back in the day. Culture, um, baby. Right on, that is. <laughs> Not right wing. <laughs> <laughs> right on. You said right on. But I, I'm like, I don't know. 
maybe people in Republic of Ireland just weren't experiencing the trouble, so they didn't quite get the gra- gravitas of like because it only got the number eight in the UK. So I guess does the UK factor in maybe Irish maybe people sales? and that's another like maybe people, <laughs> people thought it was a show of support. I mean, I'm, I'm wildly speculating here, but maybe maybe it was another case of just like Irish people being like, "Oh look, an international act is paying attention to us, and we're very needy, Could and be. we're like." It's a song about us. Could be. And I think, yeah. On, I must you know, ask you, though, for next, for next week to do, we to do a little bit more groundwork on Hot this. Press dig. Just in Yeah, just in terms of what the critical reception was, because I'd be very curious to see if the musos were on board with this. Um, okay, I have to rescue this now. This is the position that you've put me in. So I'm sorry. My no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, like contrasting styles, and we're very much tapping into the the mood of the nation at different points along the way, which was the purpose of doing this top five, I think. Um, so, uh, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, uh, thought that they could, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, no. My number one this week is a number one that I've teased forever. Um, I've always wanted to find a way to get it into the top five. I don't think I've done it yet. It's an all time classic. It might be the greatest song of all time. Go on. Uh don't 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 spoil it if you know if you think you know what it is. I will say. Can I guess? Try and guess the year. You can guess. The, yeah, guess the year. Okay, nineteen ninety five. No, it's not okay, from nineteen ninety five. It's from okay. uh, I think it's ninety three, ninety two, okay. ninety two. Sorry. Then I don't know. What did you think it was? Ninety five. I thought you were going to go you two. Hold me, trail me, kiss me, kill me. No, I thought about it, but I think I picked that before, and it is amazing though. But given that Bono's poem today, I think I made the right choice. Um, yeah, you you picked it for original <clears throat> songs for films. I said yeah. To tee it up, Larry Flick from Billboard said, "Good to hear." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Good to hear something new by this wonderfully talented group." Here it is. Turns thirty years old this summer, and my God, hook it to my fucking veins. Yes, baby, my heart is long. My heart hurts, baby. Yes, I feel pain too. Baby, I mean, her boys, my boys. Two men. <laughs> <laughs> it became men. It's boys to men. The song is End of the Road. It might be the greatest song of all time. I know I say that every now and then, but it might be. It is an adventure, Craig. Full version, yeah. six minutes. Tune out the world and put this on. It will change your fucking day. <laughs> change your life. It will change your life. Change your life. <laughs> well, it might. It might. Um, it was written for a film. Um uh, Eddie Murphy's Boomerang in 1993. The song, I think, has had a better uh, shelf life um, than Eddie Murphy's kind of whatever. Oh, so you didn't get this into original songs for films either. No, That's weird no, that you yeah, didn't which is, take that opportunity. I know, yeah. yeah. Now that I think of it, what a faux pas that was. Boy, is my face red. Uh, this song is amazing, though. Uh, I love it. Uh, I've got a very, very fond memory of myself and my good friend Adam years ago in like a local pub in Drada. We stuck it on the jukebox and... Every time the chorus came on, and like the snaps in the chorus, he and I would clap our hands so hard that our hands hurt because there was like a group of people in the same kind of area that were like really obnoxious. So we thought, well, we'll be obnoxious back in the best possible way. I remember that moment vividly and it was wonderful and I would love to return Beautiful. to it somehow. What a song. What a, like, it's just, it's so over the top. It's, it is the most, 
we talked about power ballads recently. You talk about your power ballads, Greg. You know, your Gerrards, your Roonies, your, your Lamparts. Um, your Extremes. Your, your, your Extremes, your Aerosmiths. So, your Motley Crews. <laughs> your Nicky Sixes. Your Crews, your Sixes, your Sevens. Um, so here's your Vince Neils. So here's the thing, right? <laughs> your Brett Michaels. Your Tommy Lees. <laughs> we could go on. <laughs> but instead, we'll talk about how great boys to men are. Your Sebastian Box. Yeah, sorry. Okay, that's No, it's enough. fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, boys to men. Tremendous. Boys to yeah. Men, yeah, boys to men. Uh, so, like, oh God, again, I, my contention was: How is this not a power ballad? Whatever genre you want to, you want to put it under. Uh, it just scrapes the sky, man. It's thirty years old in June. Have we had a better song since? Maybe I don't know. I think it's just perfect. I think it's just it's so wildly dramatic. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. You have like everyone gets their moment to shine you have that ridiculous spoken word like deep voice breakdown in the middle and like to be fair the lyrics are kind of problematic <laughs> like there is some toxic masculinity going on here already a little bit it's a bit kind of like you know like what about me and also you know there's a line where it's like you know just come to my bed like like but it's 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 sold with the most earnest ridiculous like <laughs> hard on this this is the definition of if you looked up hard on the sleeve in a fucking dictionary it should say number one a heart literally being on your sleeve number two overly <laughs> emotional number three end of the road boys to men there's a clip of this starts playing <laughs> I just think oh. but I'm now just imagining you having like a garden state moment with someone where you put the headphones on them and you're like this song will change your life and it's end of the road by boys to men to be fair I haven't had that moment I should the ironic thing here should. as long term listeners will know is that you actually did that to me with the blue Nile on a bus back from electric picnic you, and it, it changed your life it changed my life not? forever yeah, yeah there you yeah. go I realized, well you're welcome yeah th- thanks very much um end of the road boys to men end of the podcast end of the road yeah, for what a ride. this episode it's just so it's just it's epic craig it really is in the truest i'm gonna be listening to it after the show six minute so version only folks song. don't hit the four minute or get into all six it's it's just outrageous i love them they're the greatest they're the boys to men. <laughs> so, ah, uh, what can I say? Um, he wasn't here this week because he was off doing a gig on Paddy's Day, but he is editing the show. And I'd like to think in the time that he's worked with us, he's gone from boy to man. It is, of course, Sonic Architect Adam, uh, the best of us, the greatest human being to ever live. And if you yeah. like what Adam does with the show how he makes it sound, and if you like how the show makes you feel, and I hope that this top five has made you feel both terrible and great, uh, you can always support us at patreon.com slash noencore. There's a new noaxcore episode up now, 15 tracks discussed with a related playlist, some really good stuff on there this month. We will be back on there soon as well. Coming in the future, um, I've recorded a new No Popcorn with Higgs and Norma. It ran for almost three hours <laughs> because we haven't done one in months. What? I know, it's crazy. Uh, like, What were you doing again? Uh, it's Best and Worst of 2021. Cinema, oh, right, like, right, film, right, right. Fil- film review. Uh, that's what No yeah. Popcorn is, of course. And it was Monday I was off. I was like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this about 12. It'd be grand, yeah. And then we're still going on like three. I was like, fuck me. But, you know, Beautiful. we haven't done no popcorn in months for lots of different reasons. It is in the bank. David Tapley will be editing that one. Hopefully that'll be out soon. But in the meantime, uh, have an amazing bank holiday weekend or have an amazing generic Monday to Friday if you're listening to this after the weekend, as many people do, I suppose. Craig, it's been emotional. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to spend a St. Patrick's Day in any other way. Yeah, same buddy. Um, it's been quite the ride. It's been 
I, I don't know where my Patrick say can go from here. I guess just listening to Boys to Men alone. I guess that's my evening now. Yeah, lights off, tears flowing. Lights off. I mean, I've got the candles going, so... You're halfway there. Maybe another cappuccino. <laughs> Stay up till six in the morning. Sure. With the boys. I'll leave you to it. And I'll leave you to it as well, cool. listener. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.